Welcome to another show, Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zillen with your host, Andrew Gommerson. Uh, it's good to be with you, Dan, and we have crossed over into 2019, and as such, we are focusing much of this month on the sanctity of human life. And uh, about a year and a half to two years ago now, a friend of mine emailed me uh, a pro-life testimony of how God had worked in her life to bring her to a place of accepting life as God's gift. And so she's here today as a result of that conversation. Um, it's been a little bit difficult to get our schedules to match up, but they finally <laughs> did. So welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate it. And we will talk to her a little bit more coming up. But first... Dan has our quote of the day. Indeed, indeed I do. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Psalm 127, 3-5. Now, I want to give you a chance to tell the story that um, encouraged this interview, but uh, let's start out by talking about um, your growing up years, Diane. Talk about uh, what it was like um, to in your childhood and then on as you approached adulthood. Well, um, when I was uh, younger, I uh, had uh, two sisters at the time. At that, at that time, um, I, I had a uh, Sister Carolyn, who was about three years older, and then I had another sister who was three years younger. And um, basically, uh, we um, uh, went to school, and, you know, was uh, my father um, didn't go to church as much as he he could. He, uh, when we did go to church, it was mostly with my um, aunt, my father's aunt, and uh, my Uncle B., uh, they were in a Baptist faith, and we went over and we sang uh, in the in the churches a lot. We used to like to sing uh, "God Bless America," and uh, my mother uh, was Catholic, and uh, I was raised as a Catholic, and uh, so I had a little confusion of um, both ways of you know <laughs> who the Lord was, and um, but we enjoyed singing. My dad loved to play the guitar. He played a lot of country music. Um, he didn't uh, do a lot of praising of the Lord. He left that to uh, us and my aunt and uh, my um, uh, uh, uncle B. Um, my um, grandma Nellie, who was born, uh, or I mean, who passed away. I, I apologize. Who passed away before I was born? She used to sing um, "How Great God Is" in the Baptist church, and uh, my dad kind of got angry at uh, religion and God. I think, and that was why. He wasn't going as much as he should, and uh, so that's that was pretty much about my childhood. You know, I was um, I, I grew up around music, and I loved to uh, uh, do music, and I loved to praise the Lord. All right, can you tell me about your husband and your own family? Um, my husband uh, Larry and I met in the Air Force, and uh, I kind of like went in the Air Force at uh, right after I got out of high school. Basically, I was. Uh, planning on being an airline stewardess, but God had other plans. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband and I met, and we got married, and uh, 
then he started um, giving us children. I had a little girl in December of 1977, and uh, then I found myself pregnant again in... Uh, after his father passed in March of 77, I found myself pregnant. I think it was like July or August is when I, you know, discovered. And I knew that abortion was wrong, you know, because I was raised in a, in a Christian faith. Um, but, uh, I knew people miscarried all the time. And, uh, so I basically wanted to, um, miscarry the children because I had to go through a C-section. I had an emergency C-section with my daughter. So uh, that was an emergency C that I had in January. And so, you know, I was pushing furniture and, you know, just uh, trying to to do that. And uh, one night God spoke to me and I still have it on my heart. And, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, I'll tell you a little bit um, about the children that, that actually came at the end, but uh, God spoke to my heart, and he told me, um, how dare you, how dare you try to take this life? How do you know it isn't the little boy that you always wanted? Um, and even if it isn't, it's a little girl, it, uh, it's a gift. It's my gift to you. And after that, I just put everything in God's hands and just trusted him to carry everything out. And uh, what I need to kind of explain about uh, why he said that is because when I was a little girl growing up, I only had sisters. I had no brothers. So I wanted a son. When I first, you know, when we got married, I was hoping that I would have a boy. And so God knew my heart. He knew my mind. It's Psalm 139 is very true. God knows everything about you. And he knew. And he knew exactly what to tell me to give me comfort and peace. It wasn't condemning. It was convicting, but not condemning because he's such a loving, merciful God. Well, that's a really interesting way to put it. I think... I think he is who he needs to be. I mean, I, I look at it kind of as the contrast between the way he treated the Pharisees in the Bible and the way he treated the publicans and the harlots. When he talked to the Pharisees, he was very rough with them because they knew the truth and they weren't exercised in it. So he said, you know the truth. You're supposed to be the spiritual leaders here and you're missing the whole point. And so he was rough with them because he said, I expect more of you as a leader. But when it come, mm-hmm. when it came to the, to the harlots and the publicans, they didn't need anyone to tell them how bad they were. They already knew. And so when they were willing, when they already knew, then Jesus was able to say, come on to me, all who are weary and I will give you rest. You know, so I think, I think it really is the way uh, God deals with you ba- on the basis of the way that you approach him. And so I, I really see a contrast there. I was just curious, just backing up a little bit, when do you think um, your faith in Christ became the most real to you as an individual as opposed to just being something that you were raised in? I think it was probably that moment when God showed me that he knew my mind and he knew my heart and he knew what I was um, considering. And he didn't want me to go off in that way because he didn't want me to uh, cause um, myself harm, you know, it's, because he's, he's he was my father. I just didn't understand it at the time. It's pretty surreal when he speaks to you that, obviously. I know in my own life um, there have been times when he has just been like, okay, 
you know, you, you think that you have it bad, but I have a plan for your life. I know why I did what I did. I know why I put you in a wheelchair. I know why I made you disabled. Just trust me. And, but it's the hardest, you know, it's in some ways it's the best words in the English language for God to say, just trust me. But it's also some of the hardest things for us to, uh, to grapple with in the Christian walk is to really be there to really trust him. Cause I can sit here on every episode of the podcast and say, trust God, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a reality in my life. And it's definitely not a reality on a daily basis. I no. pray for it to be. So I'm striving for it to be. So, but I have to be honest. I mean, we're all walking this, this Christian life and sometimes we mess up and sometimes we're not where we need to be, but God is merciful. Dan, do you have any thoughts or any questions for our guest? Um, no, not right at this moment. <laughs> All right. Um, well, well if, I, if I could say something on that part of it, um, I at that point I did trust him because I gave him everything. Yeah. I mean, I just I quit worrying my because my husband had just gotten out of the air force, and the other part of the worry was that the C-section wouldn't be covered. We wouldn't have the insurance. I mean, oh, that's yeah. what was causing me to think these thoughts about wanting to possibly miscarry because I thought, well, we won't have the insurance. I got to go through an operation. I could die again. I mean, uh, you know, there's just so many things. So basically it was fear. It was fear that was controlling my life. And the thing is, is that the Lord was, you know, when he talked to me and he showed me that, that, you know, I just to have to give it all to him. And I did. And everything worked out. I basically delivered twin boys in December Ooh. of 1977. And my husband got his 90 days in on the job and the insurance covered everything. God took care of everything. He's there for you. Um, in that situation, but I will also go along with you on that. There have been times, though, that even though I've trusted him in that situation, sometimes I haven't trusted him in other situations because I am human, and sometimes it's and we think that maybe we can do it better this way or that way, and yeah. it isn't that way sometimes. Personally, personally, I think it's hardest to trust God in things that we've been let down in before. We've placed our trust in somebody or, you know, like something our parents told us, and it flopped and then you realize oh, God's the father and oh crap <laughs> yeah well with my father my father uh, was a strict disciplinarian so I was kind of I had quite a bit of fear from him sometimes it took me a while before we were able to build our relationship you know in a in a loving well, strong way and that's exactly right when you when you project um, your earthly father's characteristics onto God which we all do yeah, you hope that's the only that, way we know him, really. Yeah, right. you hope that you have an earthly father that can give you a proper perspective of God, but but sometimes we don't. Like you said, sometimes we struggle with that, and even with well-meaning godly fathers, they're not perfect, and so they still have times when they're not showing us God. But the thing I like about my dad the most is that when he does mess up, he's quick to ask for forgiveness. That's and that's really all we can be, be is because we're not perfect. None of us are. No. And so, um, you know, yep. we we need to have mercy on each other just as God has had mercy on us. Exactly. I um, totally agree with you on that. So you kind of hinted at some of the lessons that you've learned. But 
Um, was there a big overriding lesson that you learned through this experience just um, through first year at kind of rock bottom because you should be joyful about this situation of finding out that you're going to have another baby and then you just want to miscarry because you're, you're having a hard time dealing with the reality of it. Um, but what, what, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned? What I basically learned is that, um, gift of life is very precious. Um, you know, God, God gives life and, um, God's, uh, God loves each and every one of us like a father. And I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned is that God loves us like, you know, like a father and we can trust him and little by little, day by day, you know, since this happened, I've had other experiences where I've had to trust God in different situations. I've had to just pray and let it in his hands and just, you know, you know, like even uh, praying for my children coming to the Lord. You know, I just say, Lord, you know, he'll, they'll listen to. I can't bring him to you. So I just pray and I, I, I have the scripture where it says, you know, uh, pray that the father will draw them to Jesus. And so I pray that and I pray that the Lord will draw some of my family to Jesus. Absolutely. So how many children and grandchildren do you have today? Well, I have five children. I have uh, one girl and then I have four boys. So the Lord granted me with four sons and I have uh, nine natural grandchildren and um, six step grandchildren. All right. So you got a, a full full house there on the holidays. Exactly. And look what I could have lost. I mean, that's the message that I really want to share with people is, look what I could have lost. Exactly. Well, um, this month, as we're, we're, uh, we post this podcast, it's, it's being posted, uh, in January of 2019. And this month we're uh, commemorating 46 years of Roe versus Wade. Um, since, uh, 1973, January 22nd, when Justice Blackman signed a, uh, five to four decision, uh, to, uh, to make abortion legal in all 50 states, basically for any reason. I know there's certain states that have restrictions, but a lot of states don't. And it's really surreal that right up in, up until that point, there have been several states that had made decisions to have pro-life restrictions, and then the Supreme Court wiped it out with one fell swoop. And so um, we're really dealing with a situation where we're coming up on the fact that um, we're not just talking about one generation or two generations, but we're almost to the point where we're talking about three generations of children that aren't here because of Roe versus Wade. Um, so... Is there anything that you want to say about how things are going in the pro-life movement right now or or um, what you think we should be aware of in that area? Well, as I'm looking at the pro-life movements, um, I, I, can I share one other story regarding that too? Oh, absolutely. Um, this was when the uh, Clintons were in office. I wanted to go to the March for Life, but I didn't have the funds for it. But uh, I had friends that... Um, were uh, from church, and they didn't know that I wanted to go. But in my heart, God knew, and he sent a woman that was at the church, and she said, I bought this ticket for my sister, but she can't go. She's not feeling good. 
would you like to go? I mean, God knew my heart. He knew. I mean, I never told her anything, but God knew my heart, and he told her, and I wound up going to the March for Life at that time. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Do you remember what year that was? It was when the Clintons were in okay, president. So it was when one, Bill was president. So, that's, so it was between 93 and 2001. Somewhere in there. I yeah, don't remember exactly that's, when. That's awesome. Oh, God does work those things out. He, yes, he does. And and I went to the March for Life. And when I went there at that time, it was smaller. And it seems like it's getting bigger. There was more. There's more young people. When I was there at that time, I think it was like maybe people in my generation, which is probably – you know, 50s, 60s, um, born in the 50s, born in the 60s. And I'm starting to see more and more young people. I mean, more and more high school and college kids there. So I really believe that um, God is really speaking to the heart of the young. I really, I mean, that's, I really believe that with all my heart. That's encouraging. Well, and that that is encouraging because, um, you know, you would hope that uh, people with a pro-life perspective would, keep having children and then eventually we'd outnumber those in the pro-abortion perspective because they don't want to have children and they think they're a curse and they think there should be all these restrictions or whatever, or at least uh, that children restrict their freedom. Um, but I, I think that a lot of times even people in the church kind of get into this um, ultra family planning philosophy Instead of, like you said, letting go and letting God, because you were all worried about your finances with this new baby, and God had it all planned out. And, my, and I'm the oldest of 11 children, and my dad always said to me, he said, you know what? He said, God pays for what he delivers. I believe that 100%. So that's, that's something that has stuck with me, and if I ever have a uh, family, that's what I'm going to go into my family with that philosophy. Now, it may be very possible that I'll only have two or three children, but if that's what God wants for me, then I'll, I'll gladly accept it any amount. It's not about the number, but it is about the mindset. And I hope that people will just use this as an opportunity this time of year, as an opportunity to check their own hearts and to say, what is my attitude toward children? Because Jesus said, let the little children come unto me for a, uh, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Exactly. Um, and so we need to have that mindset as well. Um, all right. Well, uh, as we wrap up, it's been really great to talk to you about this stuff. But do you have any final encouragement? Maybe um, there's someone or multiple someones who are out there and they're facing a crisis pregnancy and they don't know what to do. Do you have any words of wisdom for them? Well, I wanted to um, share this a little bit. For many years, um, I couldn't share anyone. I couldn't share this with anyone without crying because I had a lot of shame and guilt. And even though I didn't have an abortion, I, I understand some of these women that go through that have had abortions, you know, and um, they have fear and there's guilt and shame. But the Lord Jesus has forgiven me, and I know that He'll forgive them. And so. Basically, I just wanted to let, I want to ask their forgiveness for me not sharing this sooner. But it was harder for me at that time because I had a lot of shame and guilt. I couldn't speak without breaking down. And I mean, it was that, that powerful. But um, once I could understand um, how much God loved me, then I could share that and say, 
God loves you so very much that if you find yourself in this situation, just go to him and he will send people around you. I've had friends that he sent people to that decided to choose to have the baby and choose to have uh, the baby adopted. So, uh, and some women that have chosen to keep the baby and they've raised the child and, um, but the church, the church, you know, to help. And so I, I really found a lot of, um, help people that know the Lord in the church. And that really helped a lot of my friends. All right. Well, we definitely thank you for sharing with us. Um, uh, and so, uh, if, is there anything else before we say goodbye that you wanted to share with the audience at all? Or? Well, the Lord just put on my heart um, that, you know, he loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And you are precious in his eyes. And, you know, um, please um, work for the pro-life movement and encourage others to do it because the voice of the unborn needs your voice. They need your voice a lot. And I would just say um, we're going to have a, a podcast coming up pretty soon where I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the facts related to the pro-life movement because there there's some so many myths that float around. Um, like I, I hear people say things like uh, pro-life people don't really care about the kids once they're alive. You know, <laughs> they just want to get them born and, you know, nobody wants an unwanted child. So we're going to delve into that a little bit more going forward. But I just want to encourage you to think about what we've talked about today. Um, I really do believe, and as Diana said, she really believes God pays for what he delivers. And so you can trust him. If you are struggling with a crisis pregnancy, please, please, please get help. You can go to rtl.org. That's the Right to Life on Michigan website and get connected with a local crisis pregnancy center and they can give you help. They have things like much of the tests that Planned Parenthood always says that they have. Um, a lot of what Planned Parenthood does is refer people to places, but many crisis pregnancy centers have like, um, ultrasound machines and different types of testing they can do and they can give baby supplies like formula or diapers, or baby food, all those, or at least know where you can get them. So please, please, please reach out for help. Don't think you're in it alone. And um, if you email me at andrew at speakingforhim.com, I will do my best to, to get you connected with someone as well. If you really feel like you can't search that out for yourself, I really don't want anybody to feel like they have to end the life of their baby. And the final thing I'm going to say, and you'll probably hear me repeat it again this month, is that your opinion about the baby does not change its personhood. And that's another thing that I'm going to delve into in a future podcast. So thank you, Diane, for coming in. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, if you enjoyed this conversation with Diane, I would encourage you to share it on your Facebook or other social media. Uh, get the word out so that uh, more and more people can be blessed by what was shared today. And remember that God loves you no matter what you've done. Um, and if you 
trust him and ask for repent and you repent and ask for him to be a part of your life, he will cast your sins as far away as the east is from the west. And um he did that because he loved you and he did that through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's what speaking for him stands for, and that's what we want to um encourage uh you with. Um so just want to uh tell you to have a great weekend and to keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.